Welcome to the LaughSpin.com podcast. Hey guys, what's up? And welcome to another episode of the Laugh Spin Podcast. My name is Dylan Gudino, and I'm the editor of LaughSpin.com, the site I started, oh, when did I start it? In 2005. It's your home to comedy news. Hopefully it's your home to comedy news and reviews and interviews and all that good stuff. If you're new to the Laugh Spin Podcast, let me break it down for you. Each week on the podcast, myself and co-host Mike deliver what uh, we'd like to describe as a comedy news digest. It's kind of an extension of LaughSpin.com, if you will. But sometimes we supplement your comedy news digests with interviews with comedians on what we consider special episodes of the LaughSpin podcast. And that's what we're doing with this episode, ladies and gents. This features my interview with comedian Al Madrigal. If you don't know who Al is, you can see him on The Daily Show as the senior immigration correspondent or the senior Latino correspondent. I'm sure he's got other titles. It all depends on what it is he's, he's covering that day. And by the way, you should definitely go to thedailyshow.com and search Al Madrigal and watch all of his field pieces because having just rewatched a lot of them, I can tell you they're pretty damn amazing. Treat yourself and, and go and do that at, at some point. Don't do it now because you're listening to this. That's of the utmost importance. What else can I tell you about Al? Al, he's also the co-host of the Minivan Men podcast, which is uh, currently my favorite podcast. And I'm not just saying that. I've said that on, on past episodes. I'm not just saying it because I'm about to interview Al Madrigal. That podcast is part of allthingscomedy.com, which is the podcasting and comedy network that we here at the Laugh Spin Podcast is also a part of. And, and more than a podcast network, it's really becoming an active community for comedians to create other projects. And Al and I talk about that during this interview. You'll hear more about all things comedy. It's really good stuff. And finally, and perhaps more importantly, and the reason I chatted with Al now instead of you know some other random time is this, his first hour-long special titled Why is the Rabbit Crying? premieres Friday, April 26th at 11 p.m. Eastern on Comedy Central. And the extended and uncensored album and DVD combo will be in stores and online April 30th. So do check them out Friday, April 26th at 11 p.m. And do go and either download from Amazon or iTunes or go to a store. Do stores still exist? I think so. Just get Al's CD. I've listened to it. I've watched the special. It's incredibly funny. So where did we do this interview? I met Al at his office at The Daily Show on the, on the west side of Manhattan over there, and we ended up chatting about uh, a recent newspaper review that likened him to, of all people, Roseanne Barr. We talked about his, his past as a corporate killer of sorts. Obviously, we'll explain that a little bit in more detail during the interview. And we also talked a bit about his, how I would like to describe his amazingly intimidating church-going dad. And we talk about a whole bunch more. So thanks to Al for taking the time to chat. And thanks to you guys for listening to the Laugh Spin podcast. Let us begin. Al Madrigal. You've been in this office before. I have, I've been in the Daily Show studios before, yes, but not in this specific at, office. At an event downstairs, you came for, I'm, I'm just guessing. Re- really? No, yeah. I interviewed Paul Mercurio. Oh. Years and years and years ago. Lucky enough to grab that difficult to get Paul Mercurio. V- yeah. Very elusive Paul Mercurio. He's very elusive. <laughs> he's, he's not one to uh, self-promote. 
Not at all. He's not one to self promote. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's I've been here before a few times, and of course, as a regular comedy fan who enjoys the Daily Show. And if you haven't figured it out, listeners, we are at the Daily Show Studios. We are in Al Madrigal's office, a well-appointed office, might say, I add. Studios, really just one studio, more office than studio. Quite a few people working here uh, to make the show happen. But just one studio. There's people being paged. Maybe it's, you pick that up. Yeah. That's well, what I'm saying. Work is going around, uh, going on around us while we, I sit in the office and look at a New York Post article that's comparing me to Roseanne Barr. Yeah, this came out today? Yes. So, yeah, Linda Stasi, the TV critic at the uh, the Post, is calling. It's a very positive... She liked this special. She really did. Diva, Al Madrigal, will read the top part, is a... Comedy's new domestic diva. <laughs> wow. And, and it's Al and the family. I get it. Yep. Do, you, do, you, do you see what yeah. she did there? She, she, she took an L out, and guess what happened? Yeah. I like it. So she says, here's something that may call stand-up comic slash late-night favorite favorite. Hmm. Al Madrigal to put a price on my head. Al Madrigal is Roseanne Barr for the 2010s. Now, she is right. I do want to put a price on her head. So let's start that with this podcast. Let's do it. How much? (laughs) No, she's a nice lady. Let's kill her, though. How much? We could probably get it done for 100 bucks. 100 bucks. Take her out. I, th- I think we a diva. I think we could twenty five bucks. I think person. honestly, coming from a, a journalist's perspective, I think she's she's vying for a soundbite. Well, she wants Comedy Central to throw that up in their press materials. That is very nice, though, because she really does. Yeah, actually, and she also does a very good account of some of the bits, which usually uh, there a lot is lost when mm-hmm. you try to transcribe somebody's material. She she did a very good. I'm. Aside from the diva and comparisons to a large, uh, cackling <laughs> macadamia nut farmer, I am uh, icon, icon. Might I add, icon. icon. I'm 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 fine with it. I just I'm just. This is my very first review. This is very exciting. Your very first review for this special. I think just in. I mean, I've. He's talking about. I've doing... I've reviewed your your first album years ago. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Al. Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. And I liked it. <laughs> okay. Ugh. Why do I even do this, Al? Yeah, sorry, dude. Why? But we're uh, we're not, like, we have to divulge the fact that we're sort of in bed together a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, It's something I wanted to, to bring up. In addition to all the other things you have going, you are, obviously, you're, you're a correspondent on the, on the Daily Show with Jon Stewart. You have this new album slash DVD out, Why Is the Rabbit Crying, which will also premiere on Comedy Central when? Friday the 26th, this upcoming Friday at 11 p.m. Right. And I think it'll re-air on May 3rd if you're listening to this after then. Right. And, so, you know, in true Comedy Central fashion, you kind of, they, they re-air the shit a lot. Sure. So you'll be able to catch it. Sure. Right? Sure. And in addition to all that, you are part of uh, something called allthingscomedy.com. Yes. And explain that to, uh, I mean, we, we mentioned it on the Last Swim podcast pretty much every week but i want you to explain what exactly it is well it came from just the it it started this with bill burr and Mm -hmm. really started it with you and all the other comics that trusted us enough to have their podcast represented by all things comedy and so what me and bill sort of got together at the comedy store and 
started talking about this idea of not just our, our websites, but comedians taking ownership of all of their content. So here we have podcasts, and it's a great way to start this venture because we have collectively through All Things Comedy two close to 2 million listeners per mm-hmm. month, which is crazy. Yeah. And Bill is a huge part of that, but we have also have Ari Shafir, Greg Barrett with his Walking the Room. We have a couple of daily show writers here, Elliot Kalin, who has the Flophouse podcast. And so we have Neil Brennan, the Champs, Tom Papa, Jay Johansson, Harlan Williams, Tom Segura, his wife, Christina Polinski. We have uh, a, quite a few comics that have podcasts um, that we're, we're friends with. And you start with the podcast, but it really does lend itself to this YouTube Google deal that we have going where we can start our own shows. They're giving us, it looks like, it's not officially done, but money and seed money to start our own programming. So Mm -hmm. eventually I'll be able to go out to all these comedians and say, hey guys, what is your show idea? I have money. They're also giving us free use of their Google Hanger. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, What is a Google Hanger? That, have you heard, seen or heard about this? I've heard of YouTube, Google Hangout. Yeah, no, but YouTube has, um, uh, and in Los Angeles, sort of Mar Vista uh, area in, in sort of, uh, southwest LA is about as southwest as you can go, uh, a large former airplane hangar that they've converted to this huge studio. Imagine going into a place and oh, saying, wow. we have all the money in the world, which they do. Sure. Let's create a studio. So we had to to go down there and get this tour. They have green screen stages everywhere, audio. T- just imagine the most beautiful studio you've ever been in. Wow. Very hip and you know really up to date in terms of the technology is even further than you think. And so you have access we have access to that. We have access you to that. Slash we. we have all things comedy comedians can go use rent all the equipment is free to use. We have to have the crew and they can check it out. We can make whatever show we want. So I can go to Tom Segura and now say what is your idea? Dave Anthony already has an idea for an office show. We can set up the cubicle there and the green screen to make this infinite office and um, sort of create that show there. And uh, we have money to do that. Not a lot of money, but we have money to do that. So it's much more than just the podcast. It's about letting the comics create their own shows and you know release their own specials. I, I think, again, it's not contrary to anything that I'm doing with... Comedy Central, it sort of works in cooperation with that. Yeah, sure. Other comedians have proven that those two things can can coexist pretty nicely. I mean, there mm-hmm. there have been comedians over the last year, year and a half, who have self-released their specials straight to their fans and have also struck a deal with Comedy Central to air and to release it commercially and and or Netflix and so it, you see Bill Burr doing that. And you see, um, yeah, you go and I'm sure it's a lot of business, but uh, you see Eddie Pepitone and the Bitter Buddha and the comics. That's another comic we work with because he has the Long Shot podcast mm-hmm. that is part of our group. And he releases his movie, shoots his movie. Um, Ari Shafir has his special available. Um, so it's uh, a lot of self releasing can happen, but you can. I think his bill is proven or, you know, release that special and sell that to Comedy Central if it's, if you know, if the quality is there. Yeah. Everybody can get along, Al. Yeah, it works. You know, you know, when, when Louis C.K. first did it at the end of 2011, there was a lot of talk about, uh, well, I, I wondered anyway, as somebody who is constantly covering comedy, is this going to negatively affect the relationships between artists and 
the the Comedy Centrals, the Showtimes, the HBOs, and it really and it really hasn't. I feel like they've figured out a way to live together in harmony. Yeah, it's happening. Like we all should, Al. Yeah, exactly. We really should. And it, you know, really beyond that, we we um, have the ability, and we're proving that with this TiVo deal that we're doing. We're going directly to brands as well. So now we can, uh, we had a TiVo come to us and say, we really like what you guys are doing. And with, this is without even major press releases going on. And then we want the comedians to help us with this new ad campaign and this new box that we're launching. And so uh, we actually got to work with comedians. We sort of crowdsource our group of comics and I can go and um, offer Every single comedian, he's like, here's 5000 bucks. Mm-hmm. We need this in return. Are you interested in this deal? Maybe not something Bill Burr is making a fortune on the road. He's doing theaters. Right. Not worth his time. Maybe it is, but he decides. And so we can sort of say, TiVo's willing to spend this much money. Are you interested in this deal? And then um, other brands are coming to us. And um, it's, it's very exciting. Yeah, we can actually have the comedians work as advertising executives and uh, creative pitchmen get their Don Draper on going. <laughs> and, uh, and they're pitching great ideas. They, they love the stuff. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. Comedy. Yeah. Comedy and technology. Comedy, the the business of comedy being taken on by the comedians, which is a scary thing, but um, it sort of works. And I had this lifestyle. I it was uh, I worked for my parents' family business. I have a business background that lends itself to this sort of thing. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I your your background is a, is a little interesting. What what was your family's just business? Uh, just a little interesting. Just uh, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Somewhat vaguely interesting to you it's interesting to me uh coming from somebody who uh whose parents didn't do anything amazingly interesting and uh my mom has a really cool backstory where she um sort of worked her way up through my dad was a teamster my mom they met at work and then my mom no college education went and um she started this company that she took over from mm-hmm. a guy that was disinterested and then it quadrupled in size and what it is is a staffing firm so i was the eldest son at this family business from 19 to 32 was there the entire time right um, and what was your job i was firing people i was primarily there was i was sort of a corporate fixer so i'd go in and anybody had any problems if it was letting somebody go if it was any disciplinary issue i was sort of the go-to guy the guy you called and my mom did a lot of this as well and she still does but if there's a problem at your company we're the people you call to fix it have you ever seen that episode of cheers Yes, where, it's one of, I where refer no, to it all the time. Oh, you do. Yes. It's oh, great. so I'm on um, no, an, un, I, on original. I no, you're the one of jerk. the only people that's ever said no or brought it up uh, <laughs> because every time I refer to this episode, no one is aware. No, I have not seen that. It's a great episode. Um, can you talk, let's talk about it? Then. Sure. Well, Norm, the 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 guy who is uh, you know planted at the bar, just drinking beers all the time, no direction, uh, no am, no ambition. Uh, he gets a job. Uh, he, well, he has a job, but then they they, they they're either going to fire him or they're going to put him into this other job, and that job is basically to be the Terminator. He yeah, has to, to, to go in there and people. do the dirty work. So Norm has to fire people, and his first termination, he goes in and he is so broken up about it because he knows the guy and starts breaking down and crying. Right, and <laughs> the guy starts patting him on the back. 
and it goes incredibly well. The guy shows himself out. And yeah. so Norm sort of realizes, oh my God, this is what I need to do. The second one, he legitimately cries again. Right. And then eventually that becomes his thing and people realize he's a cold-hearted bastard. Right. Because it gets so easy. And that's another, it really never gets easy. Uh, but I have to say, after doing so many terminations, I did get a little cocky and overconfident about the whole thing. Was there, was there ever a time... Were there any, like, horror stories? Yeah, it went horribly wrong a lot of the time. So it was, for as many as went, it went smooth, um, I did, there was, you know, one in ten that, where the people went running out the door. I had, a, when I was 22 years old, had a Russian nurse that um, took off on me. So, so I so had to, F, when F, you say took off, you mean literally? Just she in the middle dropped, of you talk. She, Tried to grab my paperwork, sitting across from her at a desk in a um, the doctor's office, and grabbed at my paperwork. Then uh, there was a tug of war that ensued, and she said, "These are lies. These are lies." These, and then just got up, ran out the door. I find that accent offensive, by the way. These are lies. <laughs> these are lies. These month, and then got on the phone with her husband and told the husband that she was pregnant for the first time he had no idea and said Andrew I'm pregnant and this man is here telling me lies and I'm going to lose the baby Andrew I'm going to lose the baby <laughs> and I'm 22 going holy shit fuck fuck what's happening and my, I get back and tell my mom the whole thing and she's like did you block the door why didn't you block the door? And I go, no one ever told me to block the door. You blocking the door was a thing. Holy shit. So that's like a thing you need to do is yeah, block the door. Stand between them and the exit. Wow. And what was he supposed to do? Put hands on her? It was, uh, I think, at that point. That's one of the things. Working for your parents sucks because they can say shit like that. Like, right. No. I, like, they're always right. They have a personnel file on you from day one. <laughs> I think at one point, I was trying to buy a new copier and... Um, my dad said, well, I just don't want this to turn out like your bike. <laughs> I'm like, what? No, it's going to get stolen? What do you think? Bad kids are going to come? They can't, they, can't keep, they can't keep it all business-like. They yeah, have no, to drag in really personal drag stuff. In all of the personal stuff. Well, get, to have your boss say, well, you know how you get. Right. Yeah, we, you've been doing this since you were eight, and uh, we're not falling for it. What? Nobody yeah. has that sort of information. You don't want, you want to come into, that's one of the great things about starting a new job is you go clean slate. You can reinvent yourself. New work ethic. I'm the guy who shows up early and stays late. And then when your parents, they know that, you know, you were the guy that almost got kicked out of college. Right. And yeah. <laughs> so. so how did you get, so at what point, so you were there till when? You were 30? I was, yeah, I was 32. I did a pilot for NBC and came back to work the next Monday. Uh-huh. I was just, because I, I sort of started, I'm late in the game with being a stand-up. I started when I was 28. Right. And so there was no screwing around for me. There was no, let's try this and see how it goes. Let's go to L.A. and give it a shot. Right. I, I was, uh, you know, I had a kid. In 2002, I have a, I'm married with a son. Wow. So yeah. there's no, and you know this from I, being a father. I do. That there's no dicking around. Yeah, there's no dicking around. Better get out there and interview Amy Schumer. That's, that's right, <laughs> Amy Schumer, Al Madrigal, <laughs> yeah. uh, all the stars. Yeah, you right. got to do it. So yeah, there's really no fucking around. And um, I was firing people, but it was it was very difficult to leave a full time job with 
I, you know, I was making great money. I was driving a Range Rover, wearing nice suits, and my parents bought me this three-bedroom house that was in San Francisco that was maybe 3,500 square feet. I had a top third-floor master suite with its own living room and yeah, deck. That, that takes balls, buddy. Yeah, and um, bailed on it. We were there for eight months and took off. I'd be like, dreams? What are dreams, really? <laughs> This backyard with the vegetable garden and the built-in barbecue. <laughs> That's pretty dreamy. Yeah. I could, I a lot could, of people dream of this. I so. could alter my dreams. Yeah. I, I bailed out on the whole thing because, you know, here I am, eldest son that's supposed to take this whole thing over. I could show you. It's um, yeah. JMA, HR management. But really, we, you were de- I was dealing with other people's problems constantly. Yeah. I We ran a very tight ship in our office, and sure, shit does happen occasionally, but we knew how to fix it, and um, you're dealing with other people's headaches, yeah. and it, it really is a giant pain in the ass. It wouldn't, and also, it was put in difficult situations where you had to fire a single mom with no daycare yeah, and a, unreliable transportation, and you've warned her five times. So you've given her the opportunity that the other people didn't have to make it work, and you still got a canner because she was late for the fucking sixth time. Yeah, and so I show up. I'm like, yeah, man, yeah, I, I told you not to make me come back here. Right. What did you do? Do you ever wonder, sitting now, sitting in your your office at the Daily Show? Do you plush. ever plush? It is very plush in here. You are on a mini couch right now. I am on a mini couch. I'm another large couch. (laughs) I'm sitting next to a cable box. Uh, Yeah, there's Al is literally seven and a half inches from me. (laughs) That's how small this office is. This was a storage closet at one point. (laughs) I swear to you, I have the converted. That's why it's so hot in here, and there's a fan. Because very high ceilings, though that's nice. Yeah, that's, and then there's is there a window? Sort yeah, of. there's there's sort of a window. Do you do you ever now? Do you ever sit here and think about how many lives you you ruined um, in in your in your former no, life? I never until you brought it. Well, up. let's let's talk about it. Well, no, no, we don't have to talk about it. No, but but I, after I leave, I want you to think about it. They ruin their own life, and they certainly do by losing a job. You don't ruin your your fucking life, but uh, yeah, slippery slope, buddy. <laughs> Maybe they had a slight drinking problem that turned into a large drinking problem. They deserve it most of the time. That's the thing is that there's that single mom is far and few between. And Mm -hmm. for the most part, these people are fucking up. And um, I have very little sympathy because I saw I gave. I was also the guy that gave people the second chance and the third chance. And so I was out there doing the verbal and written discipline. So I saw them continue to make the same mistake after warned. All right. right. Okay, fine. So don't so fuck them. Okay. Fine. Fine. So let's I mean we're let's let's talk about the Daily Show. Do you do you find or did you find that you are more tuned into what's going on in the world? Uh, I, I assume you're, you probably always you can't help but have a, if you have right. Google News as your homepage, you can't yeah. help but be aware of what's going on. And I certainly got the L.A. Times when I was in Los Angeles and I would read that every single day. Right. And uh, but now I'm even way more in tune because also I, I'm privy to what's going on here. I have uh, an office of 100 people yeah. that are sending to pitch. Um, you know, a, a pitch list that we have. Mm-hmm. And so I am familiar with all of the um, stories. Right. Now, do you find that you have more opinions about certain things? 
Uh, or are you strictly just the no, I, vessel through which hilarious satire is delivered? Yeah, I have the same opinion that I had when I came in. It's, uh, yeah. So my opinion hasn't changed in any way, but I was, uh, I've always been, you can't help but be opinionated about, um, and who knows where that opinion comes from, from wherever, you know. Yeah, and how long it was able to form, but you, certainly my opinion changes. I have uh, parents that are were very speaking of changed opinions, were all Mexicans, uh, and for the most part, Mexican Americans um, have always been conservative. And you look back at George Bush, um, and you saw that forty four percent of Latinos voted for George Bush, right? And so, why is that? And uh, religion, right? Well, it's, well, it's it's very conservative and also financially conservative because mm-hmm. so there's a lot of fiscal conservatives that believe that they had to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, and why should I give my money to anybody else? And so, it's part of being like sort of greedy. But my parents, who are very religious, Catholic, my dad goes to church every single day. And, really? Um, yes. Dear God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what he says. And he, um, well, it, a little bit of a hypocrite. We can talk about that because it's just. He's a hypocrite? Oh, my gosh. Well, he's Catholic, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you would have to be. a brutal guy. He's a very nice man, but he is also sort of ruthless at the same time. I can tell you a great story. And, well, tell and, it. Well, yeah, it's just real quick. I mean, this is the guy who goes to church every day. I remember being on a cruise when we were my mom's business had just started making money so right, we're going, right. these are people we'd never I'd never flown before mm. and so we're in high school or just starting college and we went to a cruise uh, that went to Cozumel, Mexico and you know it does all the Mexican Riviera stops Right. went to Cozumel met this me and my brother and the family friend that we were with meet this incredibly gorgeous 18-year-old girl. I mean, just swimsuit model from Santa Cruz, California. And we brought, she in turn, I think we saw her on the beach, started talking to her parents, not knowing she wait, was... Wait, 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 who's we? We is our entire group. So uh, the fathers, uh, this uh, our family and family Oh, you're, oh I see. The so whole, it's not just your immediate family there. No, we were with a, a bigger group. We decided to, you know, go on a cruise with a gotcha. family, the kids that were um, friends of my brother's got it, and got their it. family, mom and dad. So we're all talking to this other family. And she said, "Oh, you should talk to our daughter. She's um, she's anxious to, to hang out with kids." Up pops, you know, Bo Derek, and mm-hmm. he like comes walking through. He's like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" She, um, he said, "Well, we're going to go to the bars." And, you know, my brother's 15 years old, and we're going to go. And this is, um, there's a place called Chili Willies and, uh, in Cozumel. <laughs> and then there's where tequila bottles are on the table like salt and pepper shakers, and you just drink your level. Like, so all the tequila bottles are out. And you, you know, it's rock gut tequila poured into uh, Jose Cuervo And you just bottles. pour it yourself? Pour it yourself. Shot glasses are there. And they then how do they charge the level. you? Oh, oh, based they on... check the level based I to see. when you sit down, and they check the level when you leave, and you drank that much worth. That's great. Yeah, that's a good system. It's I love great. <laughs> so, why more people aren't using the Chili Willies model? I don't know. But we go there, and we're getting wasted. Then we go to... Um, uh, I It's a... It's a 
huge change. Senior Frogs or something like that, or okay. just one of the big ch- sort of change uh, chains of of Cosmo, all those Mexican resort towns. And we go in and we're dancing on the tables, yards, sea breezes, and yards, having a blast. The party sort of comes to us. Everybody shows up. This girl ends up getting incredibly drunk. You're on. You're all underage, correct? We, I'm, I might be 21. She might be 18. Okay. Um, my, I know my, for sure my brother is, Dante is 15 years old. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that does put me at about 20, 21. Got it. So, we're there having a blast. Doesn't matter. Um, everyone's dancing. I get knocked down and I get up again. Sure. And uh, we, <laughs> girl ends up vomiting in the bathroom. And um, you were holding her hair. My mom's holding her hair. She looks up, and I guess she likes me, which is like this is I like you know she's gorgeous. I'm in love with her. She like you know who knows if it's the booze, but she's into me. Right? Maybe I can make out in the back of a senior frogs or right, something. Sure. While uh, my little brother looks on, and my mom's <laughs> like, so. Um, hmm. Hmm, it's time for the cruise to go. Uh, okay, okay. So, what are we going to do with this girl? Dad, you, you, we can't just say her parents aren't there yet. So now I'm stuck with leaving this uh, woman that I just met and I'm totally in love with um, at this Senior Frogs. We can't do that. we got to bring her and uh, bring her outside. My dad puts her in a cab. It tells the cab driver, she's pass out drunk. If anything happens to this girl, I'll come and find you and kill you. <laughs> and uh, then I go, Dad, this is no, what are you doing? <laughs> he looks at me and goes, Fuck her. Uh, and uh, he goes, We got to go. I'm not missing that boat. Um, Holy yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a brutal dude. Like, But he's also, he's his ship chandler. He was the only. Mexican kid in his high school growing up like he comes from Bayshore in San Francisco where it was like down by Candlestick Park if you're familiar with the city a little it's bit. a rough neighborhood sort of I grew up with people chasing me kind of guy and doesn't take any shit I remember I had a girlfriend that he didn't like and I called him for April Fool's. I was doing this for a bit for a little bit, uh, but it was just so brutal that everybody in the audience would go, <gasps> like, what a horrible man, and make him lose. Because I'd laugh afterwards. I thought it was so crazy. My father, I was dating a girl when I was 25, and everybody hated her. I knew everyone couldn't stand this Why woman. did they hate her? Just didn't like her, didn't like the looks of her, Didn't just didn't like her. She Why was, did you like her, Al? I liked her because she was there. And, yeah, uh, she was, I mean, when you're a guy sort of growing up in college um, and someone shows interest in you, it's yeah. often the girl that you are with. My father, they just don't like her. But oftentimes you, is the, when you're sort of a, a nerdy uh, guy that is, I'm not, you know, never been smooth with the ladies. Sure. And, um, yeah, you often are interested in the girl that's interested in you. Sure. You know, like, oh, I think that that's how I roll. Me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I've met this girl. She was my neighbor when I went to University of San Francisco, and she lived directly next door. We did sort of hit it off, and next thing you know, I have a girlfriend. Right. I have a girlfriend for a year and a half. I have a girlfriend that my parents really don't like. I think she came over our house once and didn't talk enough. 
I, I know from these people being born, you know, when they don't like somebody or they don't like your wife or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, tell us about how your family feels about your wife. My family loves my wife. Okay. She's great. Have you, have they always liked your girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, oh always like my girlfriends. Pretty. I mean, they, I think I dated one girl who they thought was sort of weird. Yeah. But they, they were never mean. No, my parents are mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, my parents were never well. They go to church every day, so um, they're, well, they're just not. They, they don't, just don't take any shit. They right. like, my mom is had to fire people. Like they have no tolerance for any bullshit whatsoever. Right. If they see something, if my uh, I, another quick story, and then we'll get back to the one I was telling in the first place. Sure, somebody called my dad a spick at work. Yeah. I mean, he that's, that's not good, right? Not good. He said, oh, to my uncle, I heard your um, sister's dating that little spick from next door. He went to work downtown San Francisco, right where the ballpark is now, the AT&T, mm-hmm. whatever. And they, he walked over. The guy was apparently like six foot two, because my uncle saw it. My dad is five foot seven, big Al, jumped up like Mighty Mouse, grabbed the guy <laughs> for, in the hair, dragged him out in the street, and beat his head against his sidewalk. Until the cops came and like, or the ambulance came, took the guy away. There no cops. That's how what happened. Like, uh, you call me a spick, I'll beat the. I mean, little guy just fired up. I'm telling you, fire plug Mexican guy. Anyway, Holy so God. this uh, it's April Fools. I can get my dad every year, and so I call up my dad and I say, "Hey, Dad, do we have a family jeweler?" And he says, yes, we do. Why? And I go, well, I wanted to buy Noel an engagement ring, and I wanted you to be the first to know. And he goes, I got an idea. How about you buy yourself a shotgun, and you put it in your mouth and blow your fucking head off? And then he goes, I wouldn't piss in that little leprechaun bitch's mouth if she was lying in the desert dying of thirst. Wow. And I said, she was Irish. April Fool's. Yeah. And uh, that's Holy the guy God. who goes to church. Better are the kids going to church? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now the kids are going to church. Oh kids. my God! So that is just—I mean—and that you know, it sort of does translate to me being able to like coldly fire people, and um, you know, also you know, we have where I feel like um, it's. Uh, sort of lent itself to as a comedian you find yourself dealing with a lot of you playing disciplinarian in a lot of comedy clubs and sort of controlling sure as, when you're starting out and um, no one knows who you are and you, it is Friday night late show and everyone's wasted I mean it, it really does become a go out and prove yourself and shit's going to get out of control quick and let's cut this down to I want to do a tight 45. I look at the when I'm on the road and no one knows who I am and I can just look out in the crowd and see how rowdy everybody is and this is you know a good 6 7 years ago, 8 years ago when I really have you know I'm still I'm headlining but I'm baby headliner with you know a bunch of credits that got me the gig but don't amount to an audience coming out to see me sure so i have the rowdiest people in a i remember being at the ontario improv once and me and freddie soda looking at each other going oh my god i would fight this crowd against <laughs> any other crowd of people i've ever seen chicks with just fucking neck tattoos it looks like a women's prison let out and so um you know, you have to go out and play this sort of like badass who doesn't take any shit. And if you let people get the best of you, you're just going to have mayhem. So 
that's you know it sort of lent itself to that and um it also sort of lends itself to me not being that nervous and when shit goes wrong in one of these daily show interviews and or, or anything like that yeah you know i was gonna i was gonna bring up the interviews because uh i just uh i just rewatched a bunch of uh your your field pieces and it's it's I've always wondered, and it's not exclusive to to your field pieces, but what is the conversation before and after the interviews with the subjects of these field pieces? And you've known me for a while. Yeah. Very friendly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Nice. I'm the exact same (laughs) way in the interviews. My first one, the guy who's very funny um, producer here who's now gone, Orm Brimmer, he works with Pete Holmes, mm-hmm. and he's working on Pete Holmes' new show that he has with Conan. And right. he told me, you might want to wait in the car. Really? And just not come in until you're ready to go here. I don't want you talking to this guy too much. And that's the opposite of what I've done since. Um, gotcha. I don't want to get too, too friendly, but a lot of times I, I like to do a lot of coaching on... You know, I don't want them to be jokey. I don't want... There's a lot of stuff that is said before, so don't make any jokes. I'm not going to use your jokes. A lot of people think they're on the Comedy you know, Comedy Central and The Daily Show, and they're, it's their job to be funny. Right. And it's not. It's their job just to tell the story that they told us on the phone. Right. So they do know that. I mean, yeah. they know it's for The Daily Show, and... Uh, what sort of percentage of people know exactly what the Daily Show is when you? I think a fair amount. I mean, people are going like to over fifty. If they don't know that they're going to, then they're eventually going to talk to their friends and family and find out. I got this call from the the, the John Daly Show, right? And then people are going to put that together. That would be a great show. That's yeah, exactly. Drunk golfer, <laughs> just wasted, checkered pants and a pink shirt, just boozed up. Ten a.m. Let's make it. Sorry, topical stories. <laughs> current events with John Daly in a golf cart is wasted. I sense a good uh, web series for uh, yeah. CC Studios. Yeah, there you go. The John Daly Show. <laughs> if you love The Daly Show, then you're going to hate The John Daly Show. I like it. Right. So you talk so you talk to them, you say what? We're going to we're going to interview it's you. It's different every single time, but you know, just go ahead and do it. they this has been produced an associate producer has talked to them done mm-hmm. pre-interview. We want them to say what they said. Right. That's it. If you feel like something is incorrect, go ahead and back up, say it again. Right. So, it's not anything. I mean, we again, you know, it's our job to make jokes. So, we have joke meetings leading up to this, but uh, Right. But I mean, nine times out of ten, uh, you know the the subjects of your interviewer. They're I mean, they're hanging themselves. Oh, I mean, based, dude, I and it's all this. juxtaposition. And if you watch a Canadian Bridge piece, um, there's, there's a, a Detroit Bridge uh-huh. where I interviewed a guy who was a Tea Party guy who said that uh, the Canada's secret agenda was to sneak in Chinamen to the United States. <laughs> when he says Chinamen, I mean the cash register. Right, like that's know, it. Sound effects. <laughs> and you got to keep it straight. Yeah, yeah. You got to... And I just, you know, straight face, let him talk and say Chinamen three more times. And I go, you, you know, just FYI, no one's using Chinamen anymore. Just, I hear what you're saying, but they prefer to be called Orientals. <laughs> and the Orientals thing didn't make it in. But, you know, it's nice if you can have runs and jokes. And you're sort of doing improv with somebody that doesn't know they're doing improv. And that's sure. all it is. But it's, um, that's my favorite part of the show. That's what I hope to continue doing for a long time. Has, um, has there been one specific field piece that you've done that has kind of, that you've, was most satisfying for you? The Mexican-American Studies 
uh, piece that we did. It was my second piece. Yeah. But it, it certainly in terms of result and the effect and what it did in Tucson, that is easily my favorite. Yeah, that's uh, great. Piece. And that is actually on... It's a, a DVD extra. Yeah, it's on yeah. Uh, why, why is the Rabbit Crying DVD extra. Yeah. Um, that, that, was a gr- that was a great one. The Tanks one outstanding thanks i enjoyed it got to drive i'm in, working a job and even though i'm in a, a former storage closet <laughs> i work in a job that uh, has allowed me to drive chieftain tanks in minnesota it's pretty amazing and did you i mean that was no special effects you crushed those cars yeah that's you amazing. To, they let that's me amazing. Run it. if you didn't see the piece it's tanks but no tanks <laughs> and it's uh, probably on my website almadrigal.com or um you can find it at the daily show and they, they bought two Saturns from mm-hmm. a junkyard and let me drive over to Saturns. It's pretty awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. We put GoPros inside the Saturns and we have some of that footage. Wow. Yeah. They t- guys here put it right there, man. It's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thunk it that you, you would be driving uh, tanks? Yeah, yeah. I went from uh, managing drunks to driving tanks and then back to managing drunks. Managing drunks? That's stand-up. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Right. Do you have, do you have like, something in your back pocket when you, when you see a crowd like that? Uh, no, have- I don't have one specific thing, but um, what I have in my back pocket is what I was about to say to the opener in the feature. You do 10. What's your time? You do wanted you to do 7. You do 20, I'm going to do 40, and we're going to get the, all get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I have in my back pocket. Because <laughs> people are assholes. All right, let's, uh, let's keep it tight. Hey, bouncers, you see anybody say anything, tap them, then they're out. Right. Okay, we're ready to do this? Let's go. <laughs> let's go, 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 go. That sounds fun. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like a nice, non, not my stressful. Life's, my life's calling. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, has the crowds since you've, you've been on The Daily Show now for what? Feels like close two years? to two years, yes. Yeah. yeah. So ha- have the crowds uh, changed at all? Yeah, are people, there more people? People are actually coming out to see me. That's what's exciting. Yeah. Is that, um, you know, you have a lot of late night appearances that add up to really nothing. And you have, um, you know, this is finally a show that has a following, a big enough following that people actually want to come out and see you do stand-up, and it's amazing. Um, yeah. Because people like you and it's don't great. just want you to, yeah. Isn't that a great feeling? Yeah, it's, it really is amazing. People Being liked is, is, is awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, people like me. And uh, <laughs> they're referring to previous bits and mm-hmm. material, and it's, it's, it's really cool. That's what every comedian wants, people to show up to their shows on purpose to see them. Yeah. Yep, and as big of a venue as possible while not having it be ridiculous. Yeah, what would be too big? I think, I, I really do think, I mean, I, I love Russell Peters, and it's, and I think, you know, Kevin Hart is approaching that point. Yeah. But, I mean, for me, my favorite shows are, I've had, I've been able to go out with some of these daily show live. I go out with John Hodgman and Kristen Shaw. Right. And I've done... A 2,500-seater there to see you or something like that. I think that's as big as it should get. Yeah. I feel like I had the privilege of going out with Mitch Hedberg a bunch for a Comedy Central yep. tour. I got to go out with Daniel Tosh and Chappelle as well. And so I've gotten to see people at their you know, heights of their comedy career. But I think when you get past, like, I heard, you know, there's, you can confirm this but russell doing a thirty-five thousand seater or something like that yeah that's crazy. crazy he's got to like larry the cable guy 
it's you know, so insane. scenarios. And it's, it's incredible, but uh, I feel like how is that? I guess there's video screens everywhere and people yeah. can see your facial expressions. I think at that point for the comic, I mean, I don't want to speak on behalf of Russell Peters or Larry should, the Cable you should. That should be Okay, let's thing. do this. Yeah. I, I am right. going to do that. I think at that point, it's like, well, let me just do this. Let me say I just played to yeah, 60,000 people. out Madison Square Garden twice or something like Kevin Hart. It's yeah. just, it's so But awesome. you can't, but as a comic, you can't say that that was like one of your better shows. Intimate or, show. I mean. Uh, Comedy I, Works in Denver, the old Cobbs Comedy Club. I hear, yeah. I, I've never, Acme, I've been to Cobbs. I love Cobbs. Uh, Comedy Cellar. Under, it's got to be underground. The yeah. ceilings have to be low. Uh, waitresses. It need to be a little bit bitter there for a long time. It just all adds up to yeah. That's a great sort of a, a good example of that is I just saw uh, Mark Marin just recorded his new album and DVD, and you know obviously he can play you know a theater and fill up a theater, but where did he do it? He did it at the um, uh, the French named place on the on the on Bleecker over there in the village, La Passon Rouge. Okay. Um, but it's it's exactly what you just described. Yeah, <laughs> down in the basement, dark. Um, I don't know, two hundred people maybe. Um, but I think that's the right idea. Keep yeah, it. I love the Zach Galifianakis Purple Onion special. Oh, so good. Yeah, so good. Um, keep it intimate. Yep. You know, this is not uh, the why is the rabbit crying was a good smallish size venue it was a moody theater in austin texas yeah i i love the way it looks it reminded me a little bit of bill cosby himself uh because of uh the lighting situation in the back depending on uh if you segue to oh that's what it's supposed to be really yes i intentionally it reminded me of bill cosby himself i'm like this is awesome i went for that look and i'm uh, like did the background color just change yeah Background colors just change, man. <laughs> I'm totally high right now. Um, well, Al, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. Thank you. I know you're uh, a very. Oh, thanks big... for having me on, and uh, yeah. thanks for letting me go as well. Of course. And my dad is not an animal. He's, I, uh, I want to talk to him next. <laughs> he's awesome. I want him on the podcast he's next. So brutal. I uh, I, I want to talk to him. What's this? A podcast? <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> Louis C.K., who the fuck? I had the greatest story also because <laughs> um, while I was working for the family business, so let me, one more dad thing and then I'll go. Let's do it. Um, working for the family business, he would, um, I was still trying to go to L.A., so I, I went to audition for my own show, eighth time, Nationwide Church for a Latino Comedian. Mm-hmm. Auditioning for my own show. And then I, he goes, where are you? I'm in Los Angeles. Why are you in Los Angeles? Well, I'm auditioning. Uh, I go, I have a show tonight with Janine Garofalo. Who the <laughs> fuck is that? Why are you even mentioning that name? And then I go, and then tomorrow night I have an audition for my own show. And then tomorrow I go, um, I'm at UPN. What the fuck? What's UPN? <laughs> you have no idea. And then I go, and then I'm um, auditioning for me and the casting director for Kirby Enthusiasm. Nothing. It's after The Sopranos. Yeah. And he goes, you're going to be on The Sopranos? <laughs> And I go, no, I'm not going to be on The Sopranos. And he goes, well, we got to change locks tomorrow. I don't know who you think is going to fucking be there. And that was... Isn't it frustrating that you can't? I mean, I I, I have friends that know nothing about comedy, so... Uh, It's very very infrequent that I'm able to say, like, oh, hey, I talked to, you know, whoever today. And they're like, who? 
Yeah. It's like if I don't they, talk to Jerry yeah. Seinfeld, they don't give exactly. a shit. Exactly. They have no idea. If you, if my dad knows you're famous, you're really fucking famous. That's uh, it's pretty my 16 year old uh, niece will be impressed that I talk to you because awesome. she's Tell she, she yeah. watches the Daily Bye. Show. Like a good 16 year old. Yeah. Uh, should oh really quick I swear to God I'm gonna let you go. She was in class the other day and her teacher asks her, "Does anybody know what the drone what drones are? What the drone project is?" Nobody raises their hand. She raises her hand, explains it perfectly. Teacher says, how did you know about it? She's like, it was on The Daily Show. And the teacher says, that's a comedy show. She's like, yeah, but I'm the only person who knew what the drones were. (laughs) Ugh, in your face. And that's how it should be, Al Madrigal. Thank you so much, buddy. All right. And there you have it. Thanks again to Al Madrigal for chatting with me. And thanks to you guys for supporting the Laugh Spin Podcast. It means a lot to us, seriously. And moreover, you know, thanks for supporting the world of comedy. If you're listening to the Laugh Spin Podcast, you are no doubt somewhat of a comedy nerd, and we totally respect that. If you haven't already subscribed to the Laugh Spin Podcast, please do so. There's three ways you can do it. SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you'd like to get in touch with me, go ahead and do that. You can email me at dylan at laughspin.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N at laughspin.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at LaughSpin.com and on Facebook and Tumblr. You should also be checking out LaughSpin.com every day, many times a day. There's a constant stream of comedy news, videos, interviews, and a whole lot more. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next time on the LaughSpin Podcast. See ya. 